And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torresani. Emily Macus, welcome to Emotional Support. Um, I have to tell you, I read through your book so fast. It, I could not put it down. It was so good. I just want to pull it up here. Obviously, this is a podcast, but for those of you who are looking um, at the clips, you can find it. It's called The Naked Truth of a Healer. I'm going to put the link up to it. The Path to My Authentic Self. I have to be honest, I had no idea what, I didn't read the back to know what was going to happen. I knew it was probably going to be a biography, an autobiography, but I didn't know you know, the ups and the downs and and all the mental health, you know, issues that were going along with your family. I thought, you know, it was more just going to be about this is how you become a healer, um, which was so interesting because there were parts of that. But truly, it was about your whole story of, of from baby up and just all the different modalities that you've learned to become a healer and how you healed yourself. So I have so much that I want to get into. Um, but what I first want to know is, when did you decide, I mean, I know you talk about it in the book, but really for yourself, when did you decide that you wanted to write this book? You felt, you know what, this is the moment I need to share my story with the world because it's very important for people to learn that they can do this as well for themselves. Okay, so I envisioned this book, I was seven years old. Wow. Wow. As I told, and I'm, and I'm in the process to, I'm hoping she's alive, my grade one teacher. Mm. Um, and she looked at me and she said, you will. Because I said to her, one day, Madam Tumi, I am yeah. going to write a book about my story. It's going to help people. Because okay. I understood that my childhood was very different right. than other kids, right? Because I never had a Christmas. I never had a birthday. And I just understood that it was different but I guess it was written in my soul but mm -hmm. for the longest time I was ashamed of my story mm -hmm. I was really ashamed to be judged by others and one of the things there is a an English say that um, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree right well I will disagree I completely disagree as someone I completely disagree for many reasons which I will get into yes, I but, will disagree but right? I will disagree for the longest time, I was ashamed of my story until right. I started this. So my private practice, it's been nine years. Wow. And I really, I had understood a little bit when I work in the psychiatric clinic in uh -huh. Lisbon, that there is a power in sharing a story. Right. But since I've been working with people, it's really, I've been living over and over the power of sharing a bit of your story, mm -hmm. because when you open up, there is an emotional connection and you actually empower the other person to share theirs. Absolutely. So there is a power right there. Oh, and absolutely. I, I believe, and I've been witnessing it. So no, and times. I think that it's so interesting that you say that because I, I say that all the time on the podcast where I'll be like, you know, if my a little bit of my story can help someone, that's great. But there is something, if you find a little connection with someone, you know, say a stranger you meet or a new friend or a client and you share a little bit, if they can connect a little bit, 
you're going to trust that person more. You're going to want to open up more. You're going to feel more comfortable. And and just like, you know, reading your story, like your relationship with your father. Now, while mine was not even close to what yours was in regards to like the, the mental and physical abuse, I have an estranged relationship with my father because we are very similar but I am the same sort of thing, you know, I always was, you know, thought, okay, well, if he has the same, you know, bipolar disorder as I do, then you're right. The apple does not fall from the, fall from the tree, fall far from the tree. See, now I'm having a hard time as if I, as if English is not my first language. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> but, um, but that, but to me, it does fall very far from the tree because I wanted to go and get the help. I went to learn about it. I went to do things that he did not do, or maybe he did do later in life and I wasn't aware of, and it's not fair for me to say because we do not have communication. But I do believe that the things that I've done have excelled and and made me try to at least want to be a better person and and do that work and find those tools. Um, so I do find it different. But I, I reading your story, I was like, oh, I understand this. I understand that. Even though yours was, don't get me wrong, a thousand times more intense with, with the with the father issues of the abuse. But I understood it. Like I, I understood that feeling that you felt yeah. inside the shame you know, I'm not good enough. Like there are certain things like that where it was that connection that I found and I was like, oh my gosh. Exactly. But what I really, you know, just to explain to the audience a little bit and, and to the listeners, the reason why you did not celebrate certain holidays and birthdays is because your father was a Jehovah's Witness um, and you, yes. your mother was uh, was Catholic. So just the confusion there of, of being like, you know, who do you follow? What do you believe in is must've been so hard just as a child, but also not understanding why do kids get to celebrate Halloween and we don't get to celebrate that. Like that to me, I can't even wrap my no, head around. Nothing that. was celebrated. No. Even our birthday, you know, our birthday, it's a special day. And as a kid, it's my birthday. Yeah. We couldn't even, my mom would be hiding if it was during the week she would hide like a, a small cake wow. and it's like even eating the cake, I felt guilty and I needed to rush. I was scared if my father would come, even that. Right. It, it was not even joyful. No, because you couldn't enjoy the moment. It right? was almost a crime. You were committing a crime because it was your birthday. So to answer your question, four years ago, when I turned 40, I said, okay, I'm going to write my book. Mm. But again, I had so much to go through where I, I started writing and I was like, who am kidding? I'm writing in English. It's my third language. I'm not going to be able to third. do it. So all Casually. the shadow. <laughs> and who cares about your story, Emily? Nobody's going to read your story. So on and off, on and off. And I put it aside. Mm. And going through, you know, still continuing the journey because sure. I always said, there is no boot camp for enlightenment. The no. journey is. No, no, The journey no. is you're always learning, you're always healing. And then it was really when I had the chance to be, because of the pandemic, I mm. did three intensive writing class with Neil Strauss. Oh, wow. Wow. And I'm saying intense. In much more that I could imagine from visualization, 
meditation, breathing exercise, um, exercises we did. And he really went deeper into what was really the blockages of writing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's connected with what? Self-worth, inner child, healing, trauma, Tra- all of that. Right. All the blockages. And the last visualization, the very last, the, the last thing we did on the third day, and I'm saying three intensive, like it was awesome. Wow. And he, he made us visualize how would we feel if we write the book? Mm. How it would make us feel? So we were, I was doing the exercise. Then, okay, now you do nothing about these three days, what you learn. Visualize if you do not write this book. I was crying. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I have to write this book. Wow. For me, this is first my own gift. And I learned that self-discipline is an act of self-love. Just being able to write certain things that no one knew. My husband knew some of my very close friends, but a lot of people didn't know about certain things of my story. Even revisiting this part was healing. Well, I'm sure. And I'm sure there's a lot, like there's a lot of things that I know that I blocked as from my childhood just because it was too hard to deal with. And so that's what you do, right? You just put a blockage on it, you put a bandaid and you walk away. And then years later, you wonder why. Yeah. And you wonder why you have issues and you wonder why you have problems. And you're like, oh, well, I should probably go back and revisit that, you know, someday. Um, So I can only imagine what it would be like writing a book. Because for me, that's something I've always wanted to do. And I thought I'm going to start with a podcast because I'm a talker and I know I can talk all the time and I can have like an audio diary and then I can go from there, you know, and move forward. Because yes. it's really honorable what you did, being able to go back into that trauma, go back into that time and go into that part of your brain that hasn't been, you know, seen in so long. It's scary. It's a very scary, you know, unknown. What are you going to learn? Are there things that you blocked out that are too painful to revisit? You know, it's a lot. So really, you know, just for you even doing this yourself, is so brave and so beautiful. And then being able to share it with us is unbelievable because like I said, every part of this book, there was a moment where I was like, oh, I understand that. Or I know that feeling, or I can relate to that. Or, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful for my childhood because there were parts where I thought that I was shameful of. And I'm like, "I, I, I got to celebrate birthdays. You know, as simple as that, you know, there, there are certain things where you then you become so grateful for your for your own life, you know, of what you had. It must have just been so strange to, you know, having to hide and have all these secrets when you were so young. Now, I know that, you know, later in your life, you you were not as close to your sister. But when you were younger, did you at least feel like you had a support system with your sister? You were very close with your mother, but but. So having someone around the same age that was going through the same experiences as you was, was there some comfort in that? So my sister is six years older than me, mm-hmm. but she, you know, my father was, I, I believe more abusive to her 
than right. it was to me. Mm-hmm. So her coping mechanism very different. Right, and I talk about that uh, uh, in in the A book. Lot. Right, very different. I took on the the superhero of the family, so I took took care of mom and my sister because they were so afraid. Mm-hmm. Like literally, my father would call my sister's name, and my sister would urinate herself mm-hmm. just in fear. Right, right. I mean, where something that I was, I was fearful, but I was so, you know, my strong. inner fire. Like, and people at the same time would say that was I had a bad character. So, you know, all, I, that's also what I heard all the time. You know, that I was bad because I would not. I was fearful, but I, I never wanted to surrender to him because right. for me was if I surrendered to him. I'm going to be just like mom and my sister, right? Fearful all the time, and I didn't want that. You didn't want I to live to like that. Fight. Yeah, and so, you had that. You had you had fire, and you can and oh, that I, resonates in the book. You can tell you are a firecracker, honey. Oh yes, and and listen, I see my daughter, and I'm like, oh wow, I know where she's. I burst my daughter. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I feel. I'm like, oh, you I burst myself. Like this is wild. You will see, and it's like, oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's so but, true. Ah, it it was, and the thing for me, again, this teacher was one of the person that really touched my life mm. because she brought. We were not allowed to read anything that was, you know, um, that was not from the Jehovah Witnesses because the way they look at the world is anyone that is not part of. Anything that is coming from the world is under the influence of Satan. So my father just wanted us to read the Bible. That's it. Bible or the brochures. Well, I'm sorry. No. So my teacher would give me books. She introduced me to the library. So I was an avid reader at six, seven years old. I loved Agatha Christie. I Oh, with all your books oh. and and much more. Right. Um, and I think that was my survival. Thank yeah. you, Lord. My imagination. Mm-hmm. I was always somewhere else. And that's your saving grace. And I feel like that was my saving grace. I, I feel like a lot of kids who um, come from abusive families, abusive homes, um, or even are just feel out of place. You know, I talk to a lot of people who, you know, with their sexuality, you know, if they were shamed for, you know, being part of the LGBTQIA, you know, community, like by their family, super religious families, they use their yeah. imagination to kind of escape. Um, and I, I, I can relate to that, you know, of, of, of wanting to just use what's inside here, inside your mind. And That's it. honestly, it's probably the most brilliant thing that happened to you of being able to use your mind and use your creativity and inspire you. And it's probably why it's not probably why it is why you're able to be such a healer to others, you know, because you've, you, you created this world inside of you that that's pure magic. It's pure magic. And I believed always that, you know, and many people still today, you are a dreamer. But Good. I, I love that you're a dreamer. That, that's and, I do, and I'm hoping that I don't change. Um, I'm I'm always believing in the good. Yeah. In people, sure. Because when we look at ourselves, our true essence is love. That's yeah. who we are. 
Yeah. Then there is the layers and all, you know, the things from society, the way you were raised, uh, your childhood. There is all those layers, but our true essence is love. That's who we are. Yep. And I, I believe that we're all connected. Mm-hmm. We all connected. Mm-hmm. And that with love, with compassion, with understanding, and with respect, because we may not understand, the respect is very important. Oh, um, so important. We can change and we can shift the world. And for me, the book was, yes, very uncomfortable. I remember when, when I received the copy that... You know, it was out. I was like, oh, my God, what did I do? It's out. Oh, my God, what did I do? I had a moment of panic. What did I do? Like, all the doubts were coming. I had to ground myself. This is it. It's out. For me, the goal and the intention is if I can help, even if it's one person, Mm. to connect with themselves. Because, Mm -hmm. yes, there is the title of a healer, but... We all are healers, all of us. Absolutely. We all have the all power within inside of us. We just have to be able all to like tune us. in. It's just about tuning That's in. It. You know, it's like it's like tuning a, a, a guitar or a piano or something. You just have to That's once you're in the pocket, you're in the pocket and you're you're good to That's go. It. Yeah. And really going into that, oh, I I can change. Mm-hmm. I can't change the past because you can't change. No. But you can change the narrative of your story. Absolutely. Because you are the superhero. There is no one that is. I had to learn that for the longest time. I thought someone magically was going to take me and going to heal me and just help me. Yeah. And I realized that nobody is coming, Emily. No. You have to help yourself. You have to do it for yourself. All is going to be within you. But for the longest time, I thought the teachers and so teacher and the other teacher, everybody would have, someone will have an answer for me. And all the answers are within me. They're all within. And all the answers are within you. Absolutely. And that is, for me, the most, and I can't, like, all the reviews, people that I don't even know, I had some emails coming, they shared a bit of their story, how my story connected with their story. And it's all... I envision mm-hmm. if we can, you know, help someone to connect with themselves and even the seed is planted and start connecting with, you know, we all have a level of trauma that we are conscious or not. We all, and it is suppressing our emotions. All is stored in the body. It's going to show up. It's going to show up. For well, me, it was rheumatoid arthritis. And that's what I wanted to say is like, you, you can see, we, you talk about your mother, right? Who suffered severe depression and, and, and it continued on and she got very sick, um, with, with cancer afterward. My question is what's the difference between France, Canada, the U S and, and poor and Portugal when it came to mental health, because your mom suffered depression. You saw that from a very, very, very young age, which yeah. a lot of kids may see their parents be depressed or have mental illness, but you don't, I don't think kids actually can identify what it is. And you were able to identify and knew exactly what it was. Was Is it, you know, because of the environment? You, you talk about also, you know, just to, continue on with this, but you, you talk also about how in, in Portugal, 
a lot of people are on antidepressants, right? It was in Portugal, right? That that this happened, or well, yeah. the 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 so called society and the way we were raised, like having to take antidepressant is normal. It's normal go to the doctor, right? It's normal, but therapy normal. is not. Now you you go to the therapist, you're crazy. So, that's so wild. So so it was very normal for her to be on an antidepressant and being depressed, like because that was Almost. the thing that you saw. Yeah, yeah, it's normal. You you take, and she was like heavy, heavy. Uh, I don't know if I can say the name, but it was like heavy, heavy ones. Yeah, where, right. Um, she was also she had she was suicidal during my childhood, and the panic to leave her alone because I didn't know where she's gonna and 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 if she acts on what she's saying. So you have five, six, seven year old who. All the time, I, I feel this this anxiety, uh, yeah, anxiety that, and if something happened, and because she would just pass out at times, mm. um, you don't know what is like what's it, real it, and what's what not happened, what's right. going on. So that was the fear that we and her sadness was so deep you could read it in her eyes. She had deep, deep, deep um, circle under her eyes, but you could. Feel she didn't need to say it. I, you just could knew. feel her sadness, and that I always remember. And I tried everything. Like as a child, you so you try you you try want to make massage, your mommy happy, you, right? You want to make her happy, but there is nothing that you're doing that is maybe a small smile. But she didn't have time to smile because she was always working, 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 working. I did, it and for me it was understanding that it's really the way people are looking. It was our, the way we were raised and the community for men, you drink, right. it is what it is. Yeah. They are drinking, they're alcoholic. Right. Oh, well, but going to a therapist, oh, so-and-so is going, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah, saying that he's sick of the head. Ah, if it would work, then it would pass. And you know what's so like, wild is that antidepressants, you know, I, and I speak from my own experience when you live with bipolar disorder, if you're put on just an antidepressant, it makes your highs higher and lows lower. So it actually does quite the opposite effect and it makes it worse. So just to put everyone on an antidepressants, you know, like it's as if it's candy, as if it's like Tylenol, you know, and not have them actually talk to a therapist and have that conversation to make sure like, let me curate and make sure I'm giving you the right medication that's that's made just for you. You not know, not in the eighties. No, in the, not, not in, in the eighties. I mean, even not if, even so now. I was raised in France. Yeah, not even now. It's no. even different and now. At the time, Portuguese community was not really um, open to therapy. Is only made for people that are crazy. That's yeah. really the label. So my mom talking with a therapist. She never went to a therapist to mm. talk about her feelings, her emotions, her trauma, none of that. It was she just kept it all bottled inside. Yeah. All inside because you don't talk. No. And, and the thing is, she was also someone that would not share her story. She didn't. So she carried all on her own because people would come to her. They trusted her, but she didn't go and right. talk about people. It was all about, we were really living a life of, appearances where everybody thought we were the perfect family and my parents had money the very first Portuguese people 
having a Mercedes. Oh, they are rich. Um, But it was all a castle of lies because we were miserable. We were suffering. But it was the appearances. For my mom, appearances was really important. Right. Right. Because you write about how she wanted to make sure, you know, that you had the best dress on and that you always looked your best because the appearance made it. If you wore the best dress, then you were definitely wealthy and you were, you guys were successful and happy. Exactly. And for me, mental health has been always something that I looked at. I was eight years old, eight or nine years old. And we had a neighbor that were Portuguese and this gentleman was battling with depression, Mm. perhaps maybe more than depression. But at the time, that's what was given as a diagnosis. And he couldn't work. So he couldn't work anymore in the construction. And his wife was a cleaning lady, so working very, very hard. And you could hear people talking about their lives. Oh, of course, now he's saying that he has depression. What he wants, he's lazy. He doesn't want to work. And that's, you could, like, people were talking this way. And when time we were at home, they were in the in a close building and we heard the gunshot. He committed suicide. Right. Right. And the, the girls came to our house until the mom arrived. And they saw, they saw what happened because he killed himself in front of the girls. Oh, my gosh. And so they were still having, you know, spots of blood because he... The, his head exploded. Yeah. Uh, and I was eight, nine years old. And that that stayed with me. And and I always thought, but maybe he needed help. And maybe he didn't have help. But, but why he didn't have help? Mm-hmm. That didn't, like, I didn't understand. Right. Because he was suffering. With, he was battling. But that's the thing. He was taking the medication. He was not going anywhere. He had no therapist. And that stayed. And when I work in the psychiatric clinic, yeah, that was one of the most beautiful gifts. Oh, I'm Understanding, sure. Oh, my Lord. The, the need that, first of all, as human beings, we need to stop that thing of, oh, mental health. Mm-hmm. Mental health is health. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. Period. We need to stop that because mental health is health. Yep. When we, why, why can we focus on the physicality and it's okay. Oh, did surgery now needs rehabilitation needs to take time. He needs to heal. She needs to heal, whatever. It's okay. But if someone is taking time because needs to heal their emotional and their mental, oh, that's not okay. Why not? It's not part of us. Exactly. Exactly. Part of us. It is a hundred and fifty percent part of us, and it needs. And that's part why of us. I think you going and working in the psychiatric clinic. That part of the book is so beautiful to me. Just hearing how you listened to everyone's story, and then when you had to end up leaving, and then when you moved away, you know how hard. How yeah, I'm sure it still breaks your heart because it broke my heart. The most beautiful were, people in it. Yes. And you learned so many different stories and they got to hear your story. And I'm sure there was a part of you that was like, wow, I'm finally being heard. I'm finally being understood. And I'm seeing, you know, that I'm not the only one that maybe is going through something and feels that that feeling of of mishap. And, And you probably also, I mean, 
I'm not going to like say this, that you did feel this, but I'm sure it must have been a relief to see other humans that were going through such severe mental issues, knowing that your mother wasn't alone in hers, that it wasn't just her, you know, there must have been some sort of, you know, odd comfort there. No, it, it, it was an understanding beyond for me was they all had a story. Yeah. They all had a story. They're all, yeah. And some of these women were abandoned by their family. Yeah. Oh, so just, they were just, they had no one and at Christmas time that would visit them. Oh. Like it was so sad to, and they were, you know, just by society as well. Right. Just put it on the side, like, and labeled. And for me, it was like, no, yeah, no, no, absolutely not. I learned so much with them. So I was early my uh, on in my early twenties. It was a curve for me in my I'm life. Sure, it, it it touched my life tremendously. I, I can only imagine. For me, it's why it's so important to you know um, take care of. For for example, during COVID and we were locked down, uh, the the focus with the family was mental health. Mm-hmm. And the emotional component, because the kids, like Marina was little, everything was taken away. Right. Like everything was taken away. How do you help them go through this? I had a teenager um, and for me was the focus and it has been always. And I, my son suffered some uh, bullying when he was uh, in elementary school. And I had a principal who said to me, you know what? You are so focused on his emotional being. You should maybe focus more on his academic. <gasps> and I look at, at her and I said, if he is healthy emotionally yeah. and he feels, if he's feeling safe at school, the academic is going to come. It's going to be very easy for him. But for me, the focus is not about the the grades. Mm-mm. No, no. His emotional being, his mental being is more important for me. Absolutely. Then the rest is coming. And the rest came later on. Yeah. But of course, if you're not if you're not doing well emotionally and mentally, well, uh perhaps the academic is not going to follow. Yeah. And for me absolutely. it is always important. So whatever people say. I'm going to look at but, all the components. Yeah, but that just shows to you and it proves to you that here we are living in 2022. We're going through all of these, the, the extremeness that the children have dealt with through COVID is unbelievable and people are not talking about it enough. Um, no. Kids are still completely, you know, screwed up from it. They don't know if they still should wear a mask or not wear a mask. They don't know how to have communication skills that they normally would do, especially the ones that I would say between fifth grade and like ninth grade. Those were very intense, like time. And yes, everyone, but I I know from experience of seeing kids who were leaving grade school, going to middle school or leaving middle school and going to high school. And there's such growth there that you have to have in person when you're with other children and other students. And if you miss that, there's a lot that you have stunted. There's a lot of stunted growth there emotionally. And and anxiety has never been higher up with children and stress and depression. And 
no one is talking about it and no one is doing things like, and for a principal, yeah, suicide rates are off the charts. And for a principal to be saying that to you when it's like, that should be the most important thing right now that we're dealing with is their children's emotional health. Always like end of story always, but especially now, you know, and it's just so frustrating. And I, I don't now me having a child, it's just opened my mind even more. I've always been very passionate about children and mental health because of my own experience, but now having to protect someone and wanting them to live this fulfilling life and experience, you know, experience the hardships. I don't want to protect her and have her live in a bubble, you know, but I want her to be emotionally strong enough on her own where if there is a bully, if there is a situation, she knows how to handle it and it's not going to make her spiral and go out of control like it did for me, right? So these are so important things that I'm so, I'm so happy to have this conversation with you and I'm so happy to know how passionate you are about emotional well-being for our children, that you are standing up to the the principles and stuff and shaking this up, you know? The project, so it's been, here it's very difficult. And I understand that maybe in the States it can be easier, but here it's all protocols and you have to show programs. But the the something that I'm very passionate about and I... I <laughs> I have a bad character, as I was told, you know, as a child. So I have this inner fire. Uh, even if, you know, the doors close, I always believe a window is going to open. Yeah. For me, it is very important that we need to stop talking. But like, what are we doing for our kids? Right. What's the action? What are we doing for our kids? Yeah. Because we talk, you talk. Very good. It's important. But now... What do we do? Mm-hmm. We need to bring Action. mindfulness to our children. We need to bring tools. Then we look at kids, oh, this kid is this dysregulate. Okay, what has been given as tool and resources to this child? Right, right. What are the tools? What are the tools? So we need to bring mindfulness to children and for me it is starting with kindergarten yeah oh younger Four years old younger meditation and even younger in daycares but give let's start there give resources let's talk about our mental health yep. let's check check in how are you feeling today like how you how know, are you really let, let's really let's look at that because then we can change yep. then we can shift things yeah, but we have so many children. Like last year, the social worker at my little one school, we're talking about eight years old. Right before Christmas, she had to attend at least three attempts of suicide. We're talking about eight years old. Eight what? years old, and it's like. We are in crisis. We are in crisis. We are in complete crisis mode. And why these things are not talked about. I mean, I remember when I was even in high school, it was, it it was very rare if there was someone, you know, who you would lose to suicide. And I mean, it was like far off, like other high schools, like you would hear stories. And now, like you're saying with these elementary school kids, high school, middle school, college, 
it's 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 like happening boom 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 and it's not even it's not even shocking anymore and i think that that's when it's scary right that's when it's that's scary you don't want to normalize just like trauma you don't want oh yeah we'll have trauma no 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 no. We, we can't normalize this now is how can we help so for me is is even getting there like trying to have um this is what I would love to see. We should talk about mindfulness, emotional health in our curriculum. Yep, absolutely. Every single day. Like, and it should be an hour of the of the day just dedicated to whether it be meditation or just talking about our feelings. Like it, it needs to be normalized. And getting to go into this, you know, why that's so important is because beyond these these children that are the sadness of the children they will carry that throughout their life right and then the the most important thing that you wrote about for me um which i try to remember and i have a problem where i spiral out of control with my thoughts my my thoughts are very powerful and i can either you know people call me a witch all the time and either I can make great things happen or I make bad things happen. And that's, and not like, oh, I'm putting a spell on you. I mean, my own, the power of the negative thought of myself, right? Um, I can self-destruct in a heartbeat. I can make sure that, you know, work doesn't happen or, you know, um, you know, the podcast isn't, you know, hitting the numbers that I want. There certain things I have very, my thoughts are very powerful. And I think people forget how powerful your thoughts are. And in your book, you did a great reminder of it. Um, and, you know, the power of negative thoughts can affect illness and can affect sickness and can affect us, you know, beyond the mental health. It can cause cancers. It can cause diseases. Um, you know, we talk about rheumatoid arthritis all the time in, in your book. Um, we, as if I'm writing it, but I'm like, that's how invested well, I am in this book. Is, I'm like, the I'm word like, is I so feel well this. Done. Yeah, I feel this. But- but to please tell us, you know, please talk about the power of negative thoughts and how it affected your mother, how it affected you, how it's affected, you know, pretty much all of us in this world. So my mom was such a, the most, the, the strongest woman I ever known. Like uh, it's, she could move mountains. Wow. Like she worked. My dad left when I was 13. She had to rebuild from ashes and sick. She was already sick, Mm -hmm. but she never gave up. But at the same time, she was very negative. So her way, that's the way she, she looked at things. She believed that she came into this life to be, she was not lucky. And her destiny was to suffer. Because I was her daughter and I followed in a, you know, I got married at 17, divorced at 19. Everything was very similar. I got diagnosed with the same disease as her. For her, that was it. There is nothing I could do because I was going to suffer. That was my destiny. So when you raised to, you know, this way, thank you, Ghana had this inner fire I didn't want to believe. Right. I wanted to believe that one day I was going to be happy. Why? 
Why cannot I be happy? I want to be happy. I deserve to be happy. Mm-hmm. So I have this belief that I can be loved. I, I want to be loved because I love people right. and I have this love within me. Right. But you still have all that was, you know, at a very young age, my father calling me the devil child, um, that I was bad. And then you have the compare people comparing me to my sister. Right. My sister was timid. My sister was quiet. My sister never rocked the boat. And I always had an answer. Right. I always questioned everything. So I was always looked at. I was the bad girl. Oh, and people would say, when you're going to be older, you're going to be a bad girl. Yeah. I always heard that when I got married at 17, divorced at 19, I was the bad girl. Right, right. Of course. So I always, and even though my coping mechanism and my defense mechanism is to show that I'm super confident right, right. inside of me, I was not. No. So inside of me, I was, you're not good enough. And I battled all my life with, you're not good enough. You will never be good enough. Maybe things are happening to you because you're not good. Mm -hmm. Because my father always said, you will never be happy. Nothing good is going to happen to you because you're bad. Mm -hmm. So I always battled with these feelings and these thoughts. So when I got my rheumatoid arthritis, well, I was in pain. My body was inflamed. I couldn't take my son most of the time out of the crib. Opening the bottle, I was not even able to. Mm. 27 years old. So I started with my misery. Mom said, this is it. This is your destiny. You were, you were, my destiny is to suffer. There is nothing I can do. So I give up. I was, I started with the medication, everything, but I was like, there's nothing I can do. That's, I guess, my destiny. But at the same time, there is still this inner fire of perhaps you need to go deeper into this root right. cause of the disease. And mm-hmm. it was Deepak Chopra on um, Oprah Winfrey. Uh, um, Her network, right? The own network, yeah. Uh, not the network. At the time, it was not the network. But she, she had a show. And she oh, invited Super Soul him. Sundays. No, she she was still with her show, the very first oh, show that oh, she had. Oh, right, right. The Oprah Winfrey show, right. The Oprah Winfrey show. And he was a guest and he's talking about how our inner dialogue, mm-hmm. um, everything, our cells in the body, everything is listening to our inner dialogue. So if your inner dialogue is positive, everything is working in harmony. Right. But if your inner dialogue is negative, well, what do you have? Apart, right? You have a battlefield. And I was like, oh, that was the, the beginning of all. I was like, oh my God, I have a battlefield inside of this body. Mm-hmm. My body is attacking itself. Well, no wonder I'm so negative. This is it. This is the root. I need to start with my own inner dialogue and these emotions. And that's when I started. So I stopped after a year of medication because I was losing my hair. I was, you know, uh, living with the side effects of the medication. And still, I had times where I couldn't take my son out of the crib. Wow. So it's been 
16 years that I'm able to manage my autoimmune disorder with no degeneration in my body. Wow. Wow. I mean, yeah. but it's just, it's the, it's, the, it's the truth. It's the power of positive thinking, right? It's the power of positivity. It's, it's a mindset. You know, it's changing the game up. Yes, because you can't, you can't heal with the same mindset that you right. got sick. Right. Right. You, and it's, if we can understand the power that our mind has, right. if we were able to get there and really looking into, and that's what I work with. I have a lot of clients that do have an autoimmune disorder and it's looking into what, what do you say to yourself? Right. Even that thing of, oh, I'm so dumb. No, let's rephrase it. I'm forgetful. Yeah, we are. We all are. But it, we all are. And you have a good excuse, Alessandra. Yeah, you yeah. Have that... a baby. So now it's baby brain, baby brain. Baby you brain use for the rest of my life. Until you can. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's being gentle towards ourselves. And yeah. for me, it's been learning self, self-love and self-care, something that... I was not raised to to learn because in the Portuguese, you know, um, families, kids come first, husband, the house, the dog, whatever it is, your work, and then at the very bottom, it's you, right? Because self care was showed as selfishness, mm. right? So I had to unlearn what I learned. Right. And be and now is what is self-care? It's not just going to, you know, to the spa for a yeah. day. Is how every day I choose to honor myself mm-hmm. and love myself. And I think that the hardest thing that you do with all of that is the unlearning. Unlearning the behavioral patterns that we've already been instilled generationally inside of us, you know, because it's familiar because it's familiar. And I think that that's been for me, the hardest thing is getting out of those patterns that I've always done and retraining your brain. And that's why, you know, you talk about a lot in the, in the book, um, how there's so many in quote unquote healers now, right? It, especially post COVID, it became like a very hot topic. And we had like a yes, boom. exactly. And I think that <laughs> I, I I think yes, there are a lot of people who you know are just full of shit. Let's be honest, and you can you can feel that, right? You can feel that. But what I think is amazing about healers and and the boom of the healers is that we all need a coach, right? You need a coach to teach you baseball. You know, you need, I have an acting coach. You know what I mean? You you always need someone there to kind of guide you in the right direction. Because yes, you can, you know, cure yourself. And yes, it's the power of positive thinking. But you also need a guide. You also need someone there. So even if, you know, the healer that you find is not been healing for, you know, 50 million years and, you know, is been trained under the best of the best, it's about finding someone that connects to you, just like your story, finding some sort of connection where you can be vulnerable with them and they can be vulnerable with you and they can help, you know, keep you accountable. It's like an accountability coach, you know, 
keeps yes. you just in line and, and going up opposed to spiraling because we all, all spiral. And I think that's great. And for me is let even going there with you, find someone that you can trust for sure. Right. Because for example, I do energy work and I can tell you, this is where the magic happens. So I'm not the practitioner that's going to see six or seven people a day. I can't. Right. It's very personalized the way we work, but, and it's something you can't just have someone coming to you and, okay, let's do the work. Right. And you, you can't have that. No. People need to feel safe. Yep. You, they, they need to feel the trust. And when they are at that stage, there is an energy shift mm-hmm. that happens. I can feel, I can see it. And then we can do energy work, but they are really open because they feel, okay, I'm mm-hmm. safe here. I can be. Yeah. So that it is not, you, you can't, you, I'm really guiding them with my own energy. So if right. I'm full of, I'm going to say it, if I'm full of shit yeah. and if I'm anxious and if I am not doing my work, well, people are going to feel it because they're going to feel the anxiousness. They're going to. It's energetic. We're all energetic beings. So it's really continuing doing my work. So when people talk and we, we, my clients, I'm always learning with them because there is an, there's an exchange. Exactly. I mean, that's what's so fun. I think for you as well is you must learn so much and your practice grows and your, you know, magnetic energy grows like from the the clients that you feel. I was going to ask, what are some of the, you know, practices or modalities that you use for yourself or with your clients or things that have changed you for curing your, you know, rheumatoid arthritis? Are there certain practices? I know you talk about Reiki a lot. Okay. So for my rheumatoid arthritis was really going uh, deeper into the emotions mm. and healing my trauma, right. right? Because everything is stored in the body. So the very first thing was even understanding that the body was inflamed. My gut, no, everything starts with your gut. Everything. So your gut is right. inflamed. Then you have inflammation in the body. And now it is being shown 80 mm. to 85% of autoimmune disorder is coming from emotional chronic stress. So it's not genetic, but that's good news. It's not genetic. So we can do something about it. And this is why the book is about if people can start even connecting with themselves and, oh, I have control. Okay. Okay. Let's start there. So for me was, okay, reducing the inflammation in the body. Mm -hmm. So when I reduce the inflammation in the body, also learning not everything is good for me. Not every, so potatoes, I love potatoes. Potatoes are not the greatest for me. Tomatoes are not the greatest either because it flares mm. the inflammation in the body when you digest. So I had to learn what I need to eat, what is good for me to eat, what is not. For me, was really the work on, you know, unlocking the trauma in the body because yeah. it was stored. And, um, the practices, meditation is, is my way to connect with myself, is the best, the most beautiful gift that I learned, meditation. And, you know, it's a big word, meditation for people. Like, right. oh it's my scary. God, I cannot clear my mind. 
meditation is not about clearing your mind because you can't clear your mind. So it's no. okay if you do not clear your mind because you have too many thoughts. Yeah. And it's really in, it's learning to fall in between our thoughts because mm -hmm. in between our thoughts, there is what we call the gap. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's with meditation, as we practice meditation, this gap grows Yeah. And it's the field of infinite possibilities right. because that's who we are. Right, right. So meditation, self-reiki, I do every day wow. to help myself. And it's continuing the journey of self-inquiry. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. You know, self-inquiry because and be compassionate with myself. And forgiving. Forgiving. Forgiving because I'm not perfect. I make mistakes and we we're going to still be making mistakes and Being like there is in the healing journey, there is no race. There is, right. there is no race. It's a pace and yeah. it's okay. I fall off the train, but I'm faster in getting back in. Right. So right. that's good because yeah. the self-awareness is there, but I do fall back like anyone else because there is always something that triggers your emotions. Mm -hmm. Or that hurts you. And it's like, why is hurting me so much? Yeah. Okay. There is an experience here. Look into it. And you fall off the train, but you are aware. You go back in. And as I said, there is no boot camp for enlightenment. Right. There is the journey. And it's unlearning and packing, unlearning and packing. And it's a lot and of it's work. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And I'm committed to this work because I wanted the trauma cycle to end with me right so if i heal myself and i continue in this journey i'm hoping the children will have less to end it's not that they are not going to have but they will have less mm -hmm. and this is really the commitment towards myself towards my kids towards the clients and the people that i work because reality is If you don't clean your shit, you're projecting onto others. A hundred and fifty percent. That's the reality. Let, let, let's get real. And I think projecting. it's so it's so important for you to surround yourself with people who, you know, because you can do all this work, right? And I, I've I've kind of tried as much as I can when I was pregnant to surround myself around people that brought in positivity, that there was And that was also my superstition of like negativity and people that, you know, like that was the witch in me that was like watching out. But, um, you know, and all the hexes I was worried about. Um, but, you know, I think that you can do all of this work to create positive thinking. And if you surround yourself with people who are negative or who may put you down or who are negative to themselves, but then you absorb, right? We're all sponges. We're all absorbing other people's energies. And, you know, it can really people there are vampire suckers out there like our blood suckers, whatever they call them. And it's true. And I think no, that it's true. you have to be aware of that because you can do all this work. But if you're surrounding yourself with people that are negative or are, you know, sucking that blood out, like get rid of them. You know what I mean? And then just focus on yourself. It's okay to be selfish. And, and it sounds like. When we talk about that, it's like, oh, what? So now you're going to cut people. Right. It's not, it, it's, it's really boundaries you need to create. Yes. And when you, yes. in this journey and you are, you understand, okay, what works for you and what doesn't. Yes. There is, so I'm going to, I can only share my own experience. Yeah. I had people just falling off my life. Like 
It's not that we got upset or we just there it was just naturally and organically yep. it just left yep. my life. Yeah. As I was in my journey. Then you have people that are not even aware, but they're super heavy. Like yes. their energy is super heavy and they just suck yes. your energy out. So being more aware of the people that you surround yourself with, because right. then you're not, you're not in balance and they yeah. just, they are your emotional triggers, but they are just the people that, and I tell clients, pay attention how you feel, right? How you feel when you with certain friends, do you feel happy, uplifted, yeah. or you are inspired, or you come at home and you drain, and it's like your head hurts, yeah. and you feel sad, negative. Like, how do you feel? Yeah. It's your answer right there. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And I think that that's so important. And I love to like shout that to the rooftops because you have to feel how are you when you get home with someone? And I never felt more in tune and I, I wouldn't even say in tune, but I was like more, uh, no, I guess I was, I was more in touch with my body when I was yeah. pregnant. That was the yeah. most I ever was because I was, I was super sensitive and I had been off my medication, um, off my bipolar disorder medication because I wanted to just do, I had heard different things, but for my own reasoning, I did it that way. And I was just very aware of the people. And I was, I saw people for who they truly were. And I saw negativity and I saw anger. And I, I read people who were passive aggressive more than I ever thought I would. And, you know, people I would defend all the time. And I, I'd be like, wow, was I just blinded by some of these people? Like, well, you know, but it was, an, and it was a natural way for my body to kind of go, okay, I'm bringing a new being in this world. I am very careful of who I'm going to introduce them to. And this is kind of the test. And, and I was aware of these things and I worked on myself. I was meditating more than I ever had before. You know, I was reading more. I was trying different types of, you know, you know, anything I possibly could to absorb this positive thought, I did um, with affirmations and hypnobirthings and all sorts of stuff yes. like that. Yeah. Well, yes. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. And it was just another way. And now it's like, okay, now what can I do for myself to make sure that I'm going to be the best mother that I possibly can for my child? You know, um, because I was very blessed. I had an incredible mother and um, she still is an incredible mother. And I'm very aware of how blessed I am. But I also had someone who was a father who uh, left when I was 16 years old. And I know what that's like too. So I, I can see both sides of the story of what worked, what didn't work, what, you know, what I need to do. And, and I think that that's what you learned as well. And that's why... You're an incredible mother and that's why you're doing the work and now you're doing the work being a mom to all of us by teaching us on how to be um, our own healer and our own um, savior. Yeah, because we are yeah. and that's it and you're going to do the same. You're going to continue this journey. Every day is a new day and it's even being gentle because yeah. we are mothers but our kids don't come with a manual of instruction. No. 
they don't. It would be nice. But they don't. I wish, but they don't. <laughs> and it's really learning with them because they are our teachers, like really. Right. I see my son, I see my little one, and it's they are so different and I'm learning with them. Wow. And it's allowing ourselves to even go there, to observe them. And and for me, one of the things that I've been it's not that the patterns don't show up because they do. And it's right. me being aware of those patterns. The way I was raised is honoring them for mm. who they are, not what I want them to be, right. for who they are right. and accepting them for who they are. Right, right. And just allowing it and loving it. And just allowing and loving and trusting. Yeah. So that that's it. So, but the, the patterns come, you know, they show up and I'm like, yeah, no, no. Step aside. I'm following this. Yeah. Th- this is the way. But it's uh, it's when they're at the time. It's really living when they're at the time. And for me is staying humble. Yeah. And, you know, God help me that I don't go crazy and lose that. Right. To be humble, remain humble and venture like a child. Yeah. New things, being open to, oh, okay. I didn't know that. Right. Okay. Let's let let's explore, and without you know that thing. Oh, I know. No, we don't. We don't. And we always know the perception of it's all perception and the level of our awareness. Yep. And we can all learn and 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 have patience and just treat you know. I'll look at the world like you would a child. I think that's the best gift that I've had so far. Is they don't judge. They don't judge. And seeing how she is so excited. By looking in a mirror and you're just like, oh, wait, because you don't know that that's you and you're just discovering that that's you or the way that she looks at at our dogs. Like, I love our dogs more than anything, but she worships them. It's like as if like they are the Beatles and she, you know, beautiful. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. And it's like, oh, God, I need to remember this because this is how I should be looking at the world. You know, this is how I should be you know, just being this open vessel and, and, you know, be protective and be aware and just be positive. Emily, I'm going to ask you my final question that I ask everyone on the podcast. What is your emotional support? That's a very good, okay. My emotional support, my family, mm-hmm. my soul sisters. Oh, I love that. My soul sisters, they are not in Canada, but we are, even though there is an ocean, um, that separates us. We are close, like ever, 20 yeah. plus years. They are my emotional support because when I need a mirror, they are right there. And and I have a, a friend here that is my mama. Oh. She's like my mama, my emotional support. Yes. Oh, I love that. They are my emotional support. I love that. Well, Emily, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How can everyone find your book, The Naked Truth of a Healer, The Path to My Authentic Self? Well, it's on the major retailers. So Amazon, uh, it's Barnes & Noble. Barnes & Noble, yes. Yeah. Barnes & Noble. It's online. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. Um on my website, if you want to look at my website. And we'll have all but, the links for that. And, yeah, and everyone but the book can find is it. on Amazon. You can find That's it perfect. everywhere. It was launched internationally. Alessandra, you are a joy. Oh!
I'm so happy that we met. Thank you.